go 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 Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three or seven of the debrief at Sandals Church. I'm your host, Justin Party. I'm hanging out today with Travis Ryan. What's up, Travis? Hey, man. Travis Ryan was hanging out with us here this weekend at main campus, uh, leading us in worship. And uh, we're going to jump into Q&A with Pastor Matt in a second. But Travis, I just wanted to um, really kind of debrief the message in the sermon a little bit with you. Yeah. So this last weekend, Pastor Matt was leading us through Luke chapter eight. And um, the bulk of the story that he was sharing with us, because there's a lot in Luke Luke 8 was from this passage in verses 40 through 56. And ultimately he shared with us kind of these two stories of um, a guy whose daughter was sick and dying and Jesus came to heal her. And then this lady who interrupted that moment and she reached out and touched Jesus because she was sick. Um, Pretty, pretty cool weekend. Obviously, Pastor Matt was talking about evil spirits and all kinds of stuff. Man, from, from all of this, what part of the message really stuck out to you, maybe challenged you the most? Yeah. Uh, one thing as he was talking and, and kind of going through the whole passage and, uh, it, you know, the first thing that stuck out to me was the whole aspect, daughter, your faith has made you well. And that was the woman who had um, the the discharge right, that Matt <laughs> right, kind of right. was yeah. talking about. Yes, exactly. it, just an awkward moment, right? Yes. But um, it was a real, real issue and a real problem. And so, uh, but she came to Jesus and, and uh, I just was thinking about, okay, how do I come to Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I bringing to him? You know, uh, what, what issues or problems and that kind of stuff. And uh, she just, uh, uh, just to touch, just to reach out and touch the hem, right? right. The, the, yep. the garment of Jesus was enough to heal her. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and Jesus obviously notices this moment and he says, right, that, that I feel my power, right. you know, leaving, right. which is like, huh, that's yeah, weird, exactly. but like a superhero or something <laughs> like that. But, um, and then, uh, and he responds to her and he says, yeah, daughter, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like <clears throat> uh, in my own life, you know, where, where's my faith lacking? Mm-hmm. And I think so many times I find myself in a comfort zone. Mm. Uh, I want to be comfortable. Don't talk to me. I mean, most of you know us, right? I mean, it's kind of like when you go to church, you know, you're standing right next to someone you, you've never even met before. Right, exactly. and, and, and you go to your happy place if you're an introvert, right? Yep, it's yep. like, please extrovert, don't talk to don't me. Talk to me. Um, I, hate the, I hate the part where they say, turn to your neighbor. And yeah, yeah. Hi. And you're just like, oh my gosh, um, it's the worst thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the struggle is real. Right. And, um, but uh, that whole aspect of stepping outside of our comfort zone and anytime you see Jesus uh, he, or, or when he meets us, right? I mean, uh, it's always outside of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does meet us where we are, totally. but he's always calling us out. He's yeah, calling yeah. for more. And I feel like in this whole, in, in these two stories that happen at both times, daughter, your faith has made you well. And then, uh, so that was the story of the older woman mm-hmm. and then the story of, of the daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who died. Um, and Jesus says, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's something really interesting about us as humans and our, our lack of belief right. and our lack of faith. And um, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same... I'm in the same boat, man. You yeah. know, Jesus is calling me out saying, come on, meet me out here. And, uh, and I love the bravery and uh, the faith of the woman just saying, hey, I'm going to just to touch just a, a part of the garment of Jesus was enough right. to heal her completely. That, that's amazing. You know what? I'm, I'm totally reminded of actually what happened in my community group last week, uh, where at the very end, one of the ladies who's in our group, she just like said, really acknowledged, like, I'm, I want to press forward into faith. And I just... I, w- I want to continue to grab onto that faith, and I'm re- totally reminded of that uh, in the same thing, and, and how Jesus totally honors that. You know, yeah. I loved Matt pointed out that a lot of us think that maybe Jesus is too busy or working on bigger problems like world peace and politics and yeah. you know terrorism and all that kind of stuff ar- around the world to pay attention to the the little bits and pieces of our lives that are yeah. important. And um, 
I love that Jesus stopped in that moment mm. and um, just like totally paid attention to her as well. Yeah. You know, you're you're a dad. How many kids do you have? I have three children. Three children. And Two then, boys and one girl. Awesome. I, yeah, I feel like it's, it's a real fatherly moment that Jesus has there. I mean, he even calls her daughter, totally. but he just stops and totally pays attention yeah. right there and yeah. and get, like gives the full attention to that lady. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, the other thing that Matt said that was interesting, you know, obviously in that time, in that era, you know, the, uh, the class, right. The class system mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. where women would right. stand with just kind of low, low bottom tier yep. along with children even. And so, and here Jesus just meets, I mean, all throughout, right. The new Testament, you see Jesus meeting with the lower class and, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, man, we we're found in the lower class, and here he just wants that. to he wants to encounter uh, and have a relationship with us, and I just love that, man. That's so cool. And so one of the things Matt said I loved at the end because he was talking about this idea of us having um, like our bodies are containers of our spirit, and yeah. ultimately our spirit yeah. is either going to go to uh, hell for eternity or to be with God. And I love the the distinction that Pastor Matt was drawing there between like heaven and paradise. Mm. And a lot of folks, Pastor Matt was saying have this idea that heaven is going to be like our hobbies forever, um, where the reality is that's not the case. What right. Ultimately, where we get to go from here is paradise and being with Jesus forever. So it's less about stuff that we're going to do, ultimately more about being with Jesus forever. Yeah. And as we close service here at Main Campus, uh, you led us in a song called You Hold It All. Yeah. And you wrote that song. It's one of yeah. your songs. And I love yeah. the, one of the lines just towards the end, uh, or maybe it's the middle. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's your song. It, you I'm, sang I'm it so somewhere. Right okay. now. Yeah, exactly. Well, I love one of the lines that you sang somewhere in that song, um, where you just talked about every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language, yeah. and you're. It really that to me feels like a song that even just the idea that God holds everything yeah. uh, feels like it's accepting that reality or, or looking to that. Am I? Does that seem right at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the the reality that uh, you know at the end, right of all of our lives, mm-hmm. uh, we will be uh, either held by the hand of the Lord in his presence forever, every uh, nation, right? Yeah. Every tongue, every language, and uh, or we'll be separated from that. And I just love how uh, Jesus is con- constantly just saying, hey, I, I, I want I want to hold your spirit. I want, I want you to be with me. And um, and so absolutely that, that song it, very much so is, talking about that. Yeah, that was just a really cool way to end the service. I uh, I loved it, man. That was awesome. And I awesome. could tell like our, our church really did. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, thanks so much for coming on here. Be- appreciate you being on the debrief with yeah. us. It was awesome having you out here as well, uh, joining us for the weekend. Oh, now, uh, people can find you online. Is TravisRyanMusic.com? TravisRyanMusic.com. Um, I'm on the, the Twitter, as, right, they, as they say right now. Um, I'm on Twitter. It's just Travis Ryan. Instagram, Travis Ryan. You know, sounds I mean, good. Totally. Just put one first name after another. I'm first on MySpace too. <laughs> okay, there you go. Dude, I, we can't hate on MySpace. That's literally how I met my wife. Is or that at least, really? Well, yeah, wow. That's how I sealed the deal with a pretty that's powerful incredible. MySpace message. Was so, Tom your friend? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He was uh, in my top eight for sure. He's in my top eight. Well, guys, Travis has got a ton of incredible music. Definitely go hit up his website this week and uh, support him. We appreciate you coming out here, um, debriefing, and let's jump into some Q and A with Pastor Matt. Hey guys, this is Stephanie. We're about to hop into our Q&A time with Pastor Matt, but I just want to take a second to thank those of you who have been sending in questions from your community groups. That is the primary way we are getting questions in front of Pastor Matt, is having community group leaders submit those. We have a big focus on groups here at Sandals Church. We're a big church, but our desire is to feel like a family, and groups is really where that gets to happen. So our desire for this podcast is to help equip your group so we can answer some of the questions that are coming up there and get some more information out there. So if you'd like to submit questions, go ahead and send those over to your community group Leader. And if you're a community group leader who doesn't know how to submit a question, reach out to our groups team. They'll help you know how to get those sent in, and we will get those here on the podcast. So let's go ahead and get started. Well, all right, guys, let's jump into some Q&A with Pastor Matt. Once again, we got Stephanie back here hanging out with us. What's up, guys? Now, before we jump into the Q&A, Pastor Matt, I got some great news I want to share with you. I was on iTunes last night looking for the debrief on there. 
three great things that are really awesome. Number one, when we launched the show, if you typed in the debrief into podcasts, we were the third result. Now, <laughs> now we are the second result. Of course we are. We're, so we're number three. Up. We're dude, number three. Dude, no, this gets better. We're the second result there. We also, I was in the Christianity section of the iTunes podcast directory, and we are right there on the homepage in the new and noteworthy section. Right on. So that is super awesome. And new and noteworthy. We are both new and noteworthy. Exactly. So it feels oh, right. I would say we were for sure new. I don't know the technical definition of noteworthy, but I'm I'm sure that we qualify. Um, and well, that definitely comes from all of you guys who have been uh, leaving us ratings and reviews in the iTunes uh, directory. So seriously, thank you to you guys for helping us get higher up in the search results right. and landing on that new page. That was awesome. Also, I was clicking around and there is the top 100 Christianity podcasts. I mean, are you ready for this? Yes. We are number 86. Wow. Of course we are. <laughs> exactly. Come on, people. Help us out. Well, I'm pretty excited because last night when I compiled the stat, we were number 92. So we just made a six-unit jump in about 12 hours. So if I could do math, I could tell you in about how long maybe we could be number one. Exactly. Joel Osteen's number one, and I think there is no way to... I am nowhere near as handsome, and I can't smile as good as he can. Oh, not true. I refute both of those Seriously, (laughs) seriously, if I was Colgate, if I was Colgate, (laughs) I would hire him as my spokesperson. The guy has the most beautiful smile in the history of the world. That is, that's true. It's yeah, true. It's, it's pretty nice. Colgate Crest, one of them. And just either Let one. Let him Everybody duke it out, you know? Or maybe somebody who's just like one. creeping in the behind of the toilet, like the <laughs> toothpaste scene, like Arm and Hammer. You guys need to push over the top. Get Joel Osteen on uh, the front I don't front think Arm and Hammer can afford Joel Osteen. Well, All right. Problem. We Fair love enough. you, Joel. Okay, let's jump into some Q&A. This is great. We got a whole bunch of questions coming in from groups. Thank you guys for sending these in. So we're going to go back a couple of weeks. I love this question from Grace in Jesse's group. Let me read Luke 6, 13. At daybreak, Jesus called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. So Grace was just asking, what were the reasons, if there were any, for Jesus choosing the 12 apostles, specifically them? Yeah. So in the Old Testament, there's 12 tribes of Israel. And so what he is... I think mirroring is uh, a new calling, a new movement, a new covenant. And so the original covenant is with the 12 tribes of Israel and uh, under the Mosaic covenant. And uh, those are the um, uh, the sons of Jacob, whose name is later changed to Israel. And so I think Jesus is mirroring that, saying he's starting something new. And so the original 12 tribes of Israel, their calling was always to uh, be a light to the nations, to reach mm-hmm. the nations. And uh, there were periods of Israel's history where they were very successful. Jonah was successful. Um, you know, there's many, many, you know, uh, prophets in the Old Testament who cry out that Israel's to be a, a light for all the nations. Isaiah specifically says that God has a desire for those who are far away to come close. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus gets so upset in the New Testament when he um, rids the temple of the salespeople. It wasn't because he didn't like things being sold in the temple. It's because they were doing it in the area of the Gentiles. And Isaiah specifically says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, which is what Jesus quotes. And that uh, passage is about allowing non-Jewish people to approach God, because God's heart is not just for the Jewish people, it's for all people. And so Jesus, I think, is is mirroring that. And, and we see that specifically, right, when Judas betrays Jesus and subsequently commits suicide and dies, one of the first things that the disciples do after they receive the Holy Spirit, and we'll get to this when we get into Acts, is they say we have to replace Judas, because in their mind, in their thinking, and they don't tell us specifically why, but they believe they're supposed to be 12. Right. And so they cast lots and Mattathias, um, whose name is only mentioned there and then we never really hear from him again, is selected to kind of unify the 12. And so there's an understanding, um, at least for them at that point, that they really are Israel at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't fully understand what they are and who they are until Peter has his uh, meeting with Cornelius and they realize that being a Christian doesn't mean you have to be Jewish. And that's important. Um, if you are a Jew, stay a Jew, that's great and love Jesus. But if you're a Gentile, you don't need to become Jewish to follow Jesus. So, so that's why is he's he's creating something new um, and, and really replacing that missional movement um, from the Old Testament, uh, where there were twelve tribes. Do we know if he had any reasons for the specific twelve that he chose? Like, do we have any? Yeah, like he saw Judas Iscariot and said, "You that look shady. guy's got talent. You look shady. Come on over <laughs> Everyone here. Everyone needs a shady no, guy." No, but you know, it says that it says that he spent all night praying. So he had more than twelve to choose from. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think right you know, God's sovereign hand was there. I mean, Jesus repeatedly tells them, I chose you. So I think there were some things that he saw, um, you know, and that he uh, appreciated in each and every one of them. You know, obviously with Matthew, you know, the tax collector, you know, Jesus knew that one day this guy would write his story. And I think Matthew does an amazing job at telling us who the Messiah is. 
And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I can't get into the details of each and every one of them, but he saw something in them. Obviously, he saw things in Peter, James, and John, the three leaders of the twelve. And so, you know, it doesn't tell us why he picked those 12, just that he did, and then he prayed about it before he did. So he sought a counsel from God um, all night long, it says, before in Luke's gospel, before he picked them. Got it. Okay, let's jump over here. Uh, Brianna and Jesse's group asked us a question from Luke chapter 7. Let me just read 36, uh, verses 36 and 37. It says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, you basically unpacked that whole story for us um, in your message last weekend, but the question that was being asked here by Brianna is, did somebody invite her? Like, who invited her yeah, to that dinner party? Yeah, she was not invited. Um, she would never have been invited by uh, Simon, the uh, the Pharisee. I mean, he would have nothing to do with her. Matter of fact, he's disgusted that Jesus uh, has anything to do with her. And literally says, if he knew, if, if he was a prophet, he would know that this woman is unclean, and and we should be having nothing to do with her. No. So she she barges in, and so part of the problem with Jesus, right, is always crowd control. It's always an issue with Jesus wherever he is, wherever he's going, whatever he's doing. You know, crowds are a problem. Just like this week, we got into you know everybody pressing in, and they can't control the crowd. And so a woman mm-hmm. sneaks in, which again is culturally inappropriate. Sneaks in, touches him, which is unheard of. You know, that's just, you don't even touch your own husband in public, much less a prophet. And she can do that because the crowds, I mean, people are desperate to see Jesus. And so they're willing to go to prison. They're willing to be beaten. They're willing They're willing to take any kind of consequence, any kind mm-hmm. of social consequence, uh, even to their own physical detriment, just to get to Jesus. And so she barges in. And so, you know, Simon opens up his house and people start pouring in. And so, you know, the other gospels say that there was other people there. You know, Lazarus was potentially there. Mary and Martha were there. There was all kinds of people there as well as the disciples. And so, right, it got out of hand. It's, you know, Jesus said, you know, we're having a party, come over to Simon's house, boom, everybody plugs in. And so we see this even like when uh, Jesus is teaching in the house and there's no room. And so they cut a hole in the roof. I mean, people are willing to go to shockingly uh, increasing lengths to get to him. I mean, he literally is, I mean, you have to think celebrity to the most maximum degree that you can possibly think. I mean, think about a celebrity today where people don't care if they go to prison. They don't care if they're tear gassed. They don't care if they're pinned down, that they just feel that whatever this person is, is not only they are celebrity, but that there's healing simply by touching him. Right. So we, we just have to... We, we have to think about how popular he is. He becomes so popular that Herod, and we're going to talk about him uh, here pretty soon, I think in the next chapter, King Herod wants to see him. And Herod could care less about Judaism. I mean, he's basically, you know, a Gentile who's mm-hmm. claiming to be a Jew. But even he hears about it, and he's like, oh my gosh, I... I I want to see this guy. Right. And so Herod is the most powerful person uh, other than Pilate at that time, you know, in Judea. And so he's like, I, I got to see this guy because the news just gets to him. So you just have to think, you know, raving parties, like people pouring in, there's no room, houses are destroyed. Um, having Jesus over is very dangerous to the condition of your household <laughs> Fair and, and to your reputation. And so that's why Simon is disgusted and judges him. So no, she was not invited, but she didn't care. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus actually seems to welcome people who don't care about the social consequences for following him, because I think that's what he calls us to do today. You know, as Christians, we're so concerned about being cool. And Jesus says, look, you need to get over yourself, and there are going to be social consequences for following me. And so that's just a part of loving Jesus is not everybody's going to get it, and not everybody's going to like it. Right. Wow, that was great. Okay, Thank so you. we're going to switch I'm like over. still like soaking <laughs> that in right now. Exactly. Okay, I'm, we're going to jump in, into Luke 8, which we just, you, well, I say we just preached on. You just preached on. Thank you. Well, maybe um, you were preaching backstage. We listened. Yeah, exactly. I listened uh, five times, so that counts. Is No, it doesn't. So we got a bunch of them. Before we get into this awesome topic of demons and evil spirits. Yeah, I knew everybody was going to ask about oh, that. Oh, yeah, we got, yeah, we got well, a bunch got of those. Questions, so. Okay, all right, good. So before we get there, there's one pretty famous section of Luke chapter 8 that you did not preach on and skip. Uh, you basically, obviously, we just didn't have time, is the parable of the farmer scattering right. seeds. And he basically, Jesus is telling this story that the farmer is scattering seeds and they land on four different types of soils. Right. And Jesus basically says, this is an analogy for the types of people that right. are hearing um, my words. And uh, Mara from Alan's group, she asked this question. 
Are the soils listed here in the beginning of chapter eight examples of permanent conditions of people's hearts, or do we all experience this at times? She says, I know that metaphorically speaking, every good soil needs tending, but is Jesus speaking about something that's permanent, right? There's the thorny soil, the rocky soil. Um, right. Well, there's the path. Yeah. So, so, so the, the four soils are the first is the path. The second is the uh, rocky and um, I'm trying to think what the thorns, the one with and the thorns where the thorns grow up and choke out the life. And then the, the last one obviously is the one that falls on good soil and the other gospels say that person produces a hundredfold fruit, which means they tell other people about Jesus. And that's what fruit means in the Bible is producing fruit is sharing the gospel, seeing other souls saved. And so, um, you know, what I love about Luke's account is he says the person where the seed falls on the good soil will patiently produce fruit. And that certainly was an encouragement for this week, because sometimes I get discouraged with the results of Sandals Church, the lack of growth, mm-hmm. the lack of salvations, um, you know, and so it just reminds me that, you know, if my heart's in the right place, I'm focused on on patiently seeing fruit. And so I think Sandals has been an example of that over the last 18 years is we've never grown super fast, but we've steadily grown. We've patiently seen fruit. So um, I think for Jesus, um, what he's saying is these are Yes, these are permanent conditions of people's hearts. So he's preaching the gospel. And when he is preaching, when the disciples are preaching, people are interpreting his words in one of four ways. One is they could care less, right? It's a hard soil. He's, he's dropping it. I mean, I mean, think about the metaphor of a path, right? It's transitionary. And there's people at Sandals every week. They're just there. They got dragged there. Right. They don't know why they're there. Yep. They, they don't care less. I mean, we're going to have the Easter weekend. People are just going to show up and they have no intention. They have zero intention of ever being saved, of ever giving their lives to Christ. They're just there. And, and the Bible says, you know, Satan comes down, takes that seed and it's gone. Um, you know, the next one, right? The rocky soil, there's wounds, there's hurts, there's, there's things in our life that are bigger than Jesus and they harden our heart. And one of the things that's the most dangerous to a person is an embittered spirit. And, and I see this all the time. People are mad at God. People are angry at God and, um, and they don't get it. And so ultimately they push God away because of the hardness of their heart. And the last one is just culture, life, right? The desires of the world, the things that the world says are so important, those things choke out the kingdom from our life. And so I've seen this, man, unfortunately, I have seen people get excited for a while, get involved, and fall away. I've seen it over and over and over again. And I have to say this, no one's life is ever better. No one's marriage is ever better. No one's kids are ever better. I mean, I've been doing this for 18 years. You know, oftentimes marriages end in divorce, kids have struggles. I mean, walking away from God is never a good thing. Having your faith choked out of you mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, it's not God that's choking it out of you. It's it's the worries and the anxieties of life. So I think that for for Jesus in the sermon, it's permanent conditions. I think the reality is those soils, like she said, fluctuate. And I think that we all have to guard our heart. I mean, sometimes we're just resistant to what God says. You know, I'm not gonna listen. Sometimes I'm wounded, I'm hurt. And you know, the sins in my life, the sins that others have committed against me, those things act as shields and block God's spirit from speaking to me. And so every single week we come into church, you know, we, we hear the sermon, and the first thing that we need to do is we need to tend to the soil. And that's why I think worship is so important. A lot of people don't realize, but when you're not into worship, that's indicative of the soil. And you're talking about like singing songs together? Yeah, singing songs. People, I don't want to sing songs. You don't want to praise God? Because people who love God want to praise Him. Jesus says, the rocks want to praise me, right? A dead, spiritless, lifeless stone on the ground if it could, would praise him. So if you don't, right, and a rock is more spiritual than you at that point, and, and, and I'm not saying that every single week, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to sing all day. But I've learned that when I don't want to sing, that's when I need worship. Mm-hmm. That, that's when I need to be there. You know, when I want to be there and I want to sing, I probably don't need it. My heart's, my heart's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm prideful, arrogant, angry, upset, whatever, you know, those things matter. Okay, then the realities of just finances, life, relationships, those things are all in our minds. Um, you know, you can build a big church by speaking to those issues. A lot of pastors have, and, and we do that from time to time, but those things dominate us. I mean, the reason that we're stressed, the reason that we're anxious is not because we're focused on God, it's because we're focused on ourselves, our lives, our wants, our desires, our needs, and those things choke the love of Jesus out of you. I mean, when you read Jesus, right, what is he offering physically? Not a lot. 
you know, right? right? I don't have a house. I don't have any money. Hey, we got a big crowd of people. That kid's got a lunch, right? I mean, that's Jesus doesn't offer a whole lot in terms of physical financial security. What he offers is eternal peace. And, and part of that is by quitting, stop worrying about all this other stuff. And so, so I, I think in the context of what Jesus is talking about, it's a permanent condition. And, um, and I think that what we need to do as Christians is we need to focus sharing the gospel where there's good soil. And for many of us, we go back to the person with the rocks. We go back to the person with the path. And then we get defeated and we say, well, no one wants to get saved. And it's because, well, you're throwing seed on asphalt, bro. Mm. You know, and that's why it's getting baked out. So find your friends that are open to Jesus, that are open to the gospel. Find the relative who's interested. And a lot of times we want to pride ourselves on arguing with the hard soil. And what I've learned is I I don't have that much time left. I'm halfway through my life. I want to spend my life speaking to, leading, and sharing Jesus with people who want to change. If you don't want to change, I don't want to waste my time on you because I only have so much time. And so, um, so again, I said that a couple of years ago and people got totally offended because I remember this one girl came up to me and she was totally mad. She's dating a guy that doesn't love Jesus, which you shouldn't do. Right. You know, she's being disobedient, but she's mad at me because I think I'm dispensing wisdom. You know, why not date a guy who loves Jesus mm-hmm. rather than arguing with him every night, you know? that he needs to love this God that you apparently don't think is important enough to break up with him. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sad. So, so yeah, so I think she's wise. I think she's dropping some wisdom there. I think that it's both a permanent condition and as Christians, right? The condition of soil changes based upon how, how do we take care of it? So. Would you say anything to maybe encourage folks, maybe love someone dearly who seems like they are that hard soil? Like, is there anything you would say to encourage yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would just say, you know, hand them over to God and just say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to entrust you with this because ultimately, you know, the only one that can, you know, I, I think soil has changed in one of two ways, primarily, right? The hand of God, God yes. can supernaturally come in, but I do not believe that God super, uh, seeds the will. I do, I do not believe that God forces people to accept him. I just don't accept that line of theology or mm-hmm. that line of thinking. And so I don't believe that God will force anyone to love him because then it's not love. Right. And so um, God will woo. Uh, I believe that Mm -hmm. God, one of the things that we can pray for, we're going to talk about demons. We can pray for God to remove the spiritual barriers. Uh, We can ask God to bind the demons that are darkening their spirit, their mind, their vision. We, We can pray for all those things. I mean, Jesus clearly says, one of the things that happens is the bird comes and takes it, which he says is Satan. So scare the birds away, pray, pray those things away. Mm. But ultimately what we can do is love that person. I mean, when you look at how Jesus wooed people to himself is he loved them. So be the best person you can be, be the best representative of Jesus you can be. And I believe that our behavior, I mean, I'm not saying don't speak the truth. You need to, you need to actually share the gospel verbally. People don't get saved through actions. Um, they're just gonna say, oh, that person's a nice person, but you might be a Buddhist for all they know, because Buddhists are really nice people. You need to share the gospel. But I think the best way to get an audience and gain an audience is to be Christ-like. So does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it okay. does. Thank you. I, I want to go back really quickly, because you just talked about tending the good soil as being uh, something we all need to be really intentional about. And I think where you're hitting on maybe is where it seems to me like Mara's question was coming from a little bit. Um what are the strategies for doing that? Here's why. Like you gave this an example of the singing thing and I just feel like you punched me a little bit. Yeah. Um, not on purpose, but like, to be honest with you, when we have services on the weekend, the time of singing and worship is ultimately where I feel like the least connected mm-hmm. or excited about what we're doing there yeah. during the weekend. What are your, how do we, yeah, but I would, I would soul? push back. I've seen you in tears in worship. I, I've personally seen you moved to where physically Mm-hmm. You're shaking. I've seen you cry. Right. I've seen you moved. And so, so, so for you and for me and, and for all of us, Stephanie included, right? Sundays is a Sabbath day. And so oftentimes when you, in the Old Testament, who had the hardest hearts? The priests, hmm. you know, it was those who worked in the temple ultimately became furthest away. And so when Josiah in First uh, Kings and in Chronicles or Second Kings and Second Chronicles, when they find the word of God in the temple, he can't find a priest who can read it. So how did their hearts grow hard? They divorced themselves from the word of God. And so I would say the first thing is, is I, you know, today I read uh, Ezekiel uh, chapters one through five. I try to read five chapters a day that has nothing to do with my sermon, my prep or anything. And so I just read God's word because 
The Bible says that God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces both the soul and the spirit. It can separate separate what is truly inseparable in mm-hmm. Paul's eyes. And so, so being in God's word and not just to learn, but to hear from God, God speak to me. Um, because, right, you can, I mean, some of the hardest hearts in the world are professors of scripture. Some of the meanest people in the world, the, the biggest critics of Jesus are those who've spent their lives studying it because they believe it's a history book. And the moment that happens, right, you're done. And so for me, um, well, the word of God is living and breathing and God speaks to me. So that's the number one thing. And then I would say is I have to have a heart every time I read God's word to be obedient. Do I want to do this? Oftentimes the answer is no, I don't want to do this, but that, that ought to, that's a warning sign, right? It's a warning sign. Um, you know, just like if my wife asked me, hey, take out the trash and I don't want to serve her. That's a warning sign for the condition of my heart towards her. So when God is asking me to do something specifically, I mean, the number one question we need to ask is what is God saying? And the number two question is, what does that mean for me to do? What, what is he asking me to do with this? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, because obey, right, is all through the scriptures and God loves obedience. We need to be obedient. And he, he's close to those who are obedient to him. So so that's what I would say. The number one way is, is scripture. And that's why I'm trying to get people. And I had people tell me, I don't like reading one chapter a week. Well, who gets upset at that? Mm-hmm. That, that? Right? You just revealed your soil. You just showed me your cards. And so, um, you know, spend some time in God's word. It'll soften your heart. Totally. Okay, let's shift gears. And we're going to jump into some conversations about demons, evil spirits. Before we do that, Stephanie, uh, do you have any opening thoughts? Yeah, as she takes a drink of water, good time. Um, Well, I think my just first question was really, like, we're looking at all these things, examples of people who got healed from demons, but how do they get there in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my experience with demons, right, I grew up Baptist, and uh, I I think there's there's two types of Christian denominations. You know, one who sees Satan everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then others who see Satan nowhere. And so I grew up in a denomination where we didn't see him anywhere. And he, uh, he wasn't talked about, wasn't understood, uh, really, really a non-charismatic background. And I think that's dangerous to, you know, pretend that there's not a lion in the grass prowling because the Bible says there is. Uh, the other danger is to blame everything on Satan when the reality is sometimes you're just stupid <laughs> and you're making stupid choices. And uh, I think people would love to blame everything on Satan when, you know, Uh, You know, if I had an affair with my wife, which I didn't, you know, it'd be convenient. The devil made me do it. I don't think so. Right. You know, I'm pretty sure those were my desires, you know, that tempted me and and caused me to destroy my character and my marriage and and my family. Um, So it's easy to blame, you know, my own wants and needs on the devil. So what I would say is, is, is I think um, you're asking me, how do people get... Demons, like they talk yeah. about people being healed of demons. How did they get demons come out of her? And so, so right. So the clearest passage we have, uh, I think the most explicit passage is found in Ephesians where Paul says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Lest you give the devil a foothold in your life. Mm-hmm. And so that word foothold, right, is, is a place of leverage. And so we don't, we don't know exactly how this happens. But Paul seems to indicate that the emotion of anger, initially, it, it does, you know, it's not sin. Like anger is a good thing to protect your family, to defend your, you know, your country. Um, you know, anger is an emotion that God has given us to be used for a short period of time. But I, like I say, it's like anger is like milk. You leave it out, it goes bad right. uh, very quickly. Um, and uh, so anger, you know, if left, um, you know, inside you gives the devil permission to have a foothold in your life. And so I think that the first thing that allows uh, the enemy in our life is sin, Uh, sexual sin. I think pornography is demonic and we're giving the enemy permission in our lives. I mean, one of the reasons why God is so opposed to sex outside of marriage is because sex is an act of worship. You're either worshiping God when you participate in it or you're worshiping something else. Mm -hmm. And so that's why God has so much to say about sex and, and why it's so important to him because how we practice sex uh, demonstrates how we feel about him. And so the things that we give our lives to, uh, drugs is another great way, right? So the word for witchcraft in the New Testament is the Greek word pharmakia, which is where we get our English word pharmacy. So drugs, it's another way. Uh, I was just talking with a person today, as a matter of fact, who's uh, trying to recover from drugs and he's telling me he's seeing things, he's seeing demons, um, you know, he's seeing shadow people. I hear this all the time from uh, people who struggle with meth. 
they're seeing things. And, and I believe that those things are not just chemical manifestations in their brain, but they're actually seeing things because they're engaging in pharmacia. They're engaging in witchcraft, whether they know it or not, and they're opening themselves up to stuff. And so as Christians, we need to be very, very careful. Um, you know, to the world, a Ouija board's just a Ouija board. I remember when I was a kid, I was 16 years old. I was at a party. Um, we were playing this game. I'm telling you, the stupid thing moved on its own. It mm. moved. I did not like it. It terrified me. Mm. Um, I, I just think we need to be very, very careful. And so I believe that demons have to have legal right to enter your life. Just like the Holy Spirit will not come upon you without you praying to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. Um, I think that we are born with our spirit. And uh, like I said in the message that we are spiritual containers and we are, we are made to contain an immense spirit, the Holy Spirit, the heaviest of spirits, right? Uh, it is God's spirit, God's presence. So with, with being made with the ability to contain that spirit, there's room for more. So in Mary Magdalene's case, there were seven other demons that uh, manifested themselves inside her. And then in Legion's case, there were thousands. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you know, I, I think we need to take sin very seriously. We need to be careful what we expose ourselves to. We need to be careful what we invite into our lives. Um, having said that, I think that the message of Luke 8 is we don't need to be afraid of demons. We need to be afraid of what demons are afraid of, and that's God. And, um, you know, people are always afraid of of seeing a demon. And, and to me, you know, I, I've seen things that I believe were demons. And to me, they're not frightening. What's frightening is what they're afraid of, and that's God. Mm -hmm. And so what's amazing about Luke 8, right, is here's Legion, thousands of demons. Jesus is not intimidated at all. And they want to know, are you here to torture us? Is it time for our butts to be spiritually kicked? Because they know they don't have a chance. They know something about Jesus that nobody else, including his followers, know. He's a warrior, and he never loses. Never. Um, he's the king of kings. He's, he's the head of God's army. I mean, this guy, right, is fierce. Um, and um, we, we need to understand that there's authority um, in us as Christians to not be afraid of that. And so I believe that healings are a real thing. Um, I believe that people can be delivered from demons and we need to pray that over them. I think there's a way to do that. But when we pray over people, this is what's so important. In Luke later, Jesus talks about you can't just go around kicking demons out because if you don't replace them with something else, i.e. the Holy Spirit, they will come back later with more. And so we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, but um, it's not enough just to cast out demons. What, what, are you, what are you filling this space with? And that's why Ephesians says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's just so important. So I don't know if I answered the question completely, but I think sin, um, I think our choices, I think the devil comes where he's invited. Okay, yeah, and then a second ago, you used the phrase, you know, some of these things allow the enemy to enter, or demons to enter our life. Can you help us understand what you mean by that, like that phrase? Like, how does that work out biblically? What What is the teaching on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think there's two things. One is, right, demonic influence. I think people are under demonic influence, and I think people are demonically possessed. Usually it's influence. Mm -hmm. There have been very, very few occasions in my life where I've seen what I would consider a genuine possession, you know, something that's like, whoa, you know, uh, I think people are under demonic influence all the time. I think Christians can come under demonic influence. I do not believe that Christians can be possessed. The Holy Spirit does not share uh, the temple with evil spirits. By definition, I do not believe that, you know, a born again Christian can be possessed. And so, um, you know, God's not going to dwell with that. Uh, so, wait, did you did I, did you just share a passage of scripture? No, no, okay, no. I was trying to track with you on that. No, no. Can can you help us understand? Can you help it go into more detail on that? Because that was actually a question that we got from Taylor was about can Christians, a genuinely born again Christ follower, be filled with one or more evil spirits? No, no, they can't. Um, and so, so the problem is right. We don't know who's genuinely born again. We can okay. look for evidence. We can uh, right. So. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, selflessness, you know, uh, the nine fruits of the Spirit. The problem is non-Christians can manifest those things. I mean, people have the image of God imprinted upon them. And so, some people are just nice. You know, they're nice without Jesus. They're kind without Jesus. They're, they're loving without Jesus. Um, and some Christians with Jesus still aren't loving, still aren't kind. And so, ultimately, you know, we, we don't know who's born again. Um, I think... I think people can know. I think you know. You know when you've had an encounter with God. You know when you've been changed. 
um, you know when things are different about your thinking, about your feelings. Right. You know when things are when you when you have a desire to act differently, uh, and those things are. You know, the manifestation of regeneration. Uh, at Sandals Church, we believe that a born-again Christian is regenerate. They are changed on the inside. They are different on the inside. Um, and so they have a desire and a want to, to follow God, to listen to God. They have God's Spirit in them. They want to please God because they love Him, not because we're trying to earn anything, but because Christ has earned it for us, and we just we just love and adore Him. So, um, let's go back to the difference between influenced right. and okay, that possessed. was my next question. Yeah, so again, so I, I think people are influenced by evil spirits all the time, Inclu- um, including genuine yeah, believers. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, the Apostle Paul says, right when when you're in when you're in a group and someone speaks by the Spirit, so he's talking about in a church service, Christians are gathered and a spirit speaks. Someone speaks by the Spirit. He says, test the spirits. Test them. Does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with God's Word? D- does the group as a whole feel like that's that's the Holy Spirit? Because um, you know, the spirit world. We we don't understand the spirit world, and and people who say they do, I mean, they're lying. They're not being honest. We're we're stepping into a realm that <laughs> we see dimly. We don't see it clearly, and so we have to be very very careful. I, I had a woman in our church, and I don't want to jump off on a tangent, but she told me that God's spirit told her that homosexuality is okay. She told me that. She told me that. And I, I, I'm sitting there looking at her. I said, well, the spirit who wrote the Bible says differently. Mm-hmm. So she believed, and she's convinced people in our church that, that she was accurate, that she heard from God. I'm telling you, I told her, I said, I think you heard from a spirit, a, a powerful spirit, a God-like spirit, right? Right. But I don't believe that you heard from Yahweh. I don't believe you heard from Jesus, because he's not a God of confusion, and he's not going to say one thing in Scripture and then tell you something different. That's ridiculous. Um, but people, good people, people who consider themselves, I mean, she, she considers herself a Christian, believes she heard from God. I'm telling you, I am telling you she did not hear from God. Right. Um, and I believe she's being influenced by the demonic, and the demonic speaks. And here's the number one way, you know, how, how do you know... How do you know the difference between the Holy Spirit and, and a demonic spirit? I think demonic spirits tell us what we want to hear. Yep. I mean, right? What does Satan tempt Jesus with? Everything he wants. Food, wealth, fame, all those things, right? If you just worship me, I'll give you everything you want. And and, and let's talk about that. How do people get possessed? They want. Mm. They're not willing to wait. They're not willing to be patient. I want to be rich. I want to be married. I want this. I want, I, I, I want to experience this. I want to feel that. Man, as soon as our desires, as soon as our worship transitions from God to something else, the devil's there. And he's like, I can make that happen. And that's what he tells Jesus, right? I can make that happen. He has authority. I can give you stuff. I mean, one of the questions we always ask ourselves is, why are evil people so blessed? Right? Right. Well, yep. according to Satan, he has some ability to bless. And it's not blessing in the holy sense it's blessing in the financial sense yeah in the sexual sense in the um you know all, all kinds of ways that we would want you know um, yeah and the reason we're using that word blessed is because our just like perception or yeah. ideas of what blessing means are are really limited to those yeah physical categories yeah so so i you know i think that we need to watch it so i think that we're we're all from time to time under influence um there was a time in my life where Man, I was going through depression and I was going through some darkness and uh, I went to a fellow pastor and he told me, man, he said, you are under demonic influence. And I was kind of like, what? And he's like, he said, why wouldn't the devil attack you, Matt? He said, you're the shepherd of a large thriving church. To, to him, it was shocking that to me, it was shocking that I wouldn't be being influenced. And my issue was I wasn't living in the freedom of grace. I couldn't forgive myself for some things I'd done in college, and I was allowing those sins to just weigh me down. And he just told me, he said, he said, you are being lied to. Mm. You are forgiven. And uh, he rebuked that in me. And man, I'm telling you, my life was different. My mm. life was different. I was under physical, spiritual attack. And, um, and I was just stupid. And I knew it the second he said it, I was like, you're right. You're right. And uh, so I've experienced that in my own life. And um, uh, there was, when he said it to me, there was a physical uh, change in my life. There was a physical contortion that happened to me. And I don't, like I said, I don't believe I was possessed. I believe I was under attack, mm-hmm. under attack. And he, and he commanded them to leave me alone. And um, 
uh, great guy. Uh, he wrote a book called Defeating Dark Angels. His name is Dr. Charles Kraft. He's a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary. And I don't agree with him everywhere theologically, um, but I can tell you this. He changed my life, man. He, he opened my eyes. So uh, we all need to be aware of this. Our, our marriages can come under attack. Our, our consciences can come under attack. Um, you know, our thought life, we need to look at those things. Not all depression is demonic attack, but it's not always just chemical. And so I would say this, that attack is usually, you know, one of three things. It's spiritual, it's physical, or it's emotional, or it's all three. Mm. And so what we have to do as Christians is we have to exercise wisdom in helping people. Because in a charismatic church, right, you can be depressed, chemically depressed, and they just pray over you and smack your face in the name of Jesus, right. and you're still depressed. And now you feel yeah. discouraged um, because it may not have been demonic. It may have just have been a chemical issue that you struggle with. And so there may need to be medication that needs to be taken to help that. And we need to not to be ashamed of that. Absolutely. Okay. okay, so let me ask you this question. You talked about the healing experience you had from coming to an understanding and acceptance of the the influence yeah. and then rejecting that. Can we help one another in that? Like everybody listening to this podcast that's in community groups, can we help one another step into that place? If so, how, how do we even do that? Like Stephanie and I are in group together. How right. do I help her? Right, you know. What are you I, trying to say? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you are demonically influenced. No, I, I think that what we need to do is we need to, we need to be very careful when you say, you know, using Stephanie as an example, but you know, hey, Steph, I, I'm just sensing some things in your life that don't match up with God's spirit. Um, some fears you're sharing, some anxieties you're working through. And I feel like we need to pray through this specifically. Um, you know, and, and I, I would just, you know, don't go around slapping people on the head with Jesus, you know, casting out demons. Uh, you got to be very, very careful. There's, you know, seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts that have a really, really negative encounter with a demon possession that goes bad. Uh, yeah. And I love that story. You know, they go in, you know, try to kick out this demon and they, they run out naked and beat up and bloody. <laughs> and so you got to be really, really careful uh, with what you're doing because when someone is possessed, um, it's a dangerous thing. I remember the, f I, I've had several encounters with what I believe is possession, but um, one of them was a good friend of mine. Um, who was a great guy at one point. I, I, I'm assuming he was never born again. That's an assumption I'm making uh, because I believe that he was, he, he was and may still be demonically possessed. But um, we went out to dinner with he and his wife and uh, I didn't know this, but they were um, going through a divorce that they, they weren't sharing that information with us. And the whole dinner was awkward that mm -hmm. night and things just didn't feel right. And I had a dream that night uh, of the dinner, it replayed. And in the dream, his face changed mm. and a demon's face came forward and, and, and said this, he is mine. Ooh. Yeah, it was terrifying. So of course, what do I do? I get up the next morning, freaked out, call him, say, we gotta have coffee. And, and, I, and I confront him with this and I'm like, dude, I'm scared for you. And he gets ticked off because what he thinks happened is he think that his wife called us and told us what was going on and she didn't. And uh, of course their marriage didn't make it and his life's never been the same. Hmm. And, uh, and I, tr I truly believe that that guy was possessed and may still be, I'm not in relationship with um, him anymore, but it was terrifying. And um, you know, I, I've seen that. And like I said, so possession is right. What's the difference between influence and possession? Influence, the person is still in charge. They're being influenced. Possession is they are no longer doing it. An evil spirit is doing it in and through them. And so that's why Legion, Jesus doesn't speak to the naked guy, which I love that story, right? Naked guy is cool, <laughs> yeah. um, right? Uh, he speaks directly. He says, who are you? And he's not speaking to the naked, scary guy. He's speaking to the demons that are inside him because they're controlling him. Um, and so, and again, don't freak out. Jesus completely controls the situation, sends him into a group of pigs, and all you animal lovers out there, get over it. So, right. People are like, oh my gosh, Jesus would never do that. We're just, we're so sensitive. We're just gotten so wussy. It's just so sad. Okay. So but speaking think, of, go ahead. But to follow up on that. So let's say you do have someone in your community group who it seems like they're still clearly in charge, but there is something that's clearly influencing them or weighing them down. How would you suggest kind of going about that conversation or even praying for them? Or yeah. Like, yeah. No. So, so for example, let's say, let's say you have a, um, uh, like in your group, Stephanie, you have a, you know, a young gal in your church that loves Jesus and all of a sudden she's sleeping with her boyfriend and you know it. 
and you say, hey, I want to talk to you about this. And she is completely uninterested in any truth, in anything you're saying. Like you're saying truth, she, she, she or he, you know, Justin will say it's some, they, they sure. you know, whoever it is, they agree with everything you're saying, but they don't care. So they're listening to something. Something is speaking to them that has greater influence in their life. And so that's when we need to, and so here's the mistake that Christians make is we try to theologically, we try to, um, you know, in a cognitive way, get them to see the truth. And what we need to do is say, I just really feel like we need to pray because I feel like you are being influenced by something that is not God. Mm-hmm. Because they, they know everything that you're saying is true. They don't care. That's influence. Um, possession, call the church. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't handle that on your own. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen things go, you know, horribly wrong. Um, you know, my friend Charles Kraft, one time when he was in a situation, he pointed at a person and said, you need to calm down in the name of Jesus. And that person almost bit his finger off. He put his finger in, in the, the gal's face. And I said, what'd you learn? He said, don't do that again. So he doesn't put his finger in people's faces that he thinks are demonically possessed. Hey, I feel That's really a, good because you pointed your finger at me in that yeah. example. No, it yeah. didn't point at me. Yeah. I think I'm yeah. still exactly. a little on the outs here. Well, I passed yeah. the test. Yeah. Everybody knows that you're the most holy one in the group. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so we were talking about animals and all this stuff. Here's a question from EJ in the uh, Bockers group. First uh, guy question. Thank you. Yes. Could be Aaron Jesse, like e, Aaron with an oh, E again. I don't yeah, know. Okay. Who, Sorry yeah, if you're a gal. EJ, yeah, you're probably right. Okay, here we go. Um, at the end of the story where the where Jesus, Jesus, Jesus <laughs> pushes these guys out. What are you, the, Snoop Dogg? Jesus? Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> take, take them to church. Um, so the demons go into all these pigs. Like Jesus sends right. them over in there. So here's a question. Can demons ever really be destroyed or do they just find another inhabitant? Yeah, yeah, and so that's there? key. And so we're going to get to that later. Um, until they're imprisoned, um, yes, they, they just go from place to place. And so Jesus will talk about that, uh, you know, as we move forward in Luke. And I don't, I don't want to get to that yet because we can talk about it when we get there. But he talks about when you cast out demons from a person and you leave them empty, you don't share the gospel, they don't receive Jesus, it says they'll come back. And so demons are... Demons are disembodied spirits, and we don't, we don't understand everything about them, but we know this. It's very clear from the book of Revelations that says, as human beings, we will never be disembodied spirits. So, so there's, there's some kind of longing by a spirit to be embodied. They, 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 they long that. They don't have that. We have bodies. We long, we long to be filled with God's spirit. And so, you know, their longing and their separation from God, and again, I'm speaking in, in, you know, I'm not sure of this, but I'm sure of this, that they long to be um, embodied somehow, and Mm -hmm. they're not. Um, Why, why they're, why they do that? It's conjecture. So I I don't, I'm not speaking theologically authoritative on that point, but they're, they're longing to be embodied. And so whether it's a human or an animal, they, they don't want to be a roaming spirit. Um, And so, and, and we don't know why. Um, but, um, you know, we're not create, created to, to be just spirits forever. We're, we're going to have bodies, heavenly bodies. Um, so when God created us, he meant us to be, uh, spirits and a body somehow married, you know, united. Um, and those two things are to work together. Right. So. Man. So that is a whole bunch of stuff. That was all seven questions. I don't feel like that was all seven. We hit a bunch, dude. I think we probably ended up on like 14 different questions there for sure. Um, that was awesome. Next week, we're going to be in Luke chapter nine. I imagine from this, we'll probably get some more Luke chapter eight yeah. uh, demon questions. So that was super great. Or other questions. It doesn't have to be. Oh, yes, demons. exactly. Yeah. That's right. Let's talk about the seeds some more, guys, because yeah. this demon stuff's really freaking me out. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and that's what I want to share with people is, you know, healthy fear for a Christian is a healthy fear of God. We don't need to be afraid of the devil. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you that is in the world. Um, Jesus is never intimidated by the devil ever in any way, shape, or form. The apostle Paul says we are not unaware of his schemes. Um, you know, so the devil has power. The devil has authority. Um, the devil is, you know, a very, very powerful being, but he is nothing compared to God. Absolutely nothing. And we need to have confidence in that. We need to rest in that. Um, and again, if you're afraid of demons, what I would say is your heart has slipped in your love for God and you need to just... Re, again, mm-hmm. refocus on on God's love for you and God's heart for you and God's desire for you. Because, so 
so in Luke 9, I'm going to skip forward, he sends the disciples out with this commandment, preach the gospel and kick demons out and heal people. So he gives them that same authority. Mm-hmm. He, he gives them that same authority. So we need to entrust that Jesus has placed, you know, he tells Paul, or, or Paul tells uh, Timothy that we have not been given a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. not, not a spirit of timidity. We, we have been given a spirit of power and right. self-control. And so we need to remember that, that we, we don't have to be afraid of those things. And so, um, you know, there are certainly situations where I'm like, whoa, that was weird. Uh, you know, or we need to pray and we need to, to pull back and, excuse me, re- refigure out what we need to do. But, you know, I don't think we need to be afraid of evil. You know, we need to ask Jesus to deliver us from evil um, or the evil one, which, you know, you can translate the Lord's Prayer that way. So so I just want to encourage people, you know, hopefully this podcast won't give you nightmares. Um, you know, again, what Jesus is offering is shalom, peace, peace with him, peace with yourself, peace with others. And that's the beauty of being a Christian. And we, and we don't need to be afraid of this, but we don't need to be, we, we need to be careful that we're not blind to this stuff. Not everything is simply a disease. Uh, so much of this mental illness, and, and I think so much of the reason why we're struggling as a society treating uh, illnesses, mental illnesses, is because we're refusing to acknowledge a spiritual component. And I think that's very, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, there have psychiatrists, famous psychiatrists have come to faith in Christ because of the presence of demonic things that they've seen in counseling. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but he wrote The Road Less Traveled. He wrote People of the Lie. M. Scott Peck. Thank you. Way to pull that out. M. Scott Peck, right, became a Christian. He was an atheist, became a Christian because he was a psychologist for the United States Army and he was investigating evil. And so he wrote the book, People of the Lie. We're telling ourselves a lie. We're saying evil doesn't exist. It is real. And that's not to say that there aren't real mental illnesses that needed to be treated. Absolutely. But here's the thing is, we don't know. We don't know where the spirit ends and the flesh begins. We don't know. And uh, because they were designed to work seamlessly together. Now, we're broken. We're all, we're all in a fallen state, just like our bodies don't work perfectly. That union is not perfect. And, uh, you know, and so my question is, right, you know, they always say, well, uh, a person that struggles with a mental illness sees people that aren't there. And I always say, well, <laughs> what, what if they're seeing something we're not seeing? Hmm. You know, and so I, I, and the assumption, right, in arrogance is that these crazy people are seeing things that don't exist. Well, uh, uh, based on what? what? What if they, what if they are seeing things that exist. And and that's not in every case, in every situation, but I just think, again, the medical profession has done, not done people struggling with mental illness justice because we're not treating the spirit. We need to treat um, things, you know, and obviously atheists are never going to do that, but as Christians, we need to care for the soul. We need to care for the spirit. Um, And so, anyways, I know I'm, I'm talking... Not nah, man, this was really great stuff. Thanks for, uh, I mean, all, all these questions were great. Thank you for those of you guys who wrote in with questions this week. And yeah, again, send them, man. Please, if you've got questions that you want to get on the show, reach out to your community group leader and uh, they'll get them over to us. And uh, if you're not in a community group, man, you should plug into one. We'd love to uh, help you do that here on the weekends. Thanks, Matt and Stephanie. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Good, good community group. I would just say, just like your body was made to contain a spirit, Christians were made, made to be in community. And so, you know, if you're divorcing yourself from Christian community, that's a really unhealthy thing in your life. So I would encourage you. I'm in a small group. I've been in a small group ever since I've been at Sandals Church. And I just would encourage you to, if you're not in one, start one or, or find one but uh, you're missing out on what God wants to do for you. So thanks for listening. Um, I really love you guys and I'm, I'm grateful that you listen. So God bless. Seriously, we also really appreciate all these reviews. Johnny Cortez, McTommy, Jay Heim, Sherilyn, Alan, Unchewable, all you guys so far. Did you uh, say Unchewable? That's that's the guy's name right here in iTunes. He left us a Thank five-star you. review. Listen, he oh, said dynamic awesome. podcast that reviews the sermon and more. That's yes. a, that's well, you and me, Stephanie. We are, Thank you we, for chewing. Yes, Unchewable. We are the you and more. All those reviews matter. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll be back here next week. Yeah. See you.
Okay. I got to tell you guys this story. Um, back in 2005, I got dumped on a Tuesday and we'd been dating. That should be like a country song. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. We'd been dating for like, we'd been dating for like seven years. I got dumped on a Tuesday night. I'm like sad, lonely. So I call one of my coworkers up. And I was like, dude, I don't know what to do right now. He's like, let's go to the movies. So we go to the movies at like 1030 at night. And we saw the exorcism that, of Emily, Emily Rose. Rose. I knew what you were going to say. That was the most terrifying movie I ever saw in mm. my uh, horrible life. Yep. What was her name? Um, Legion. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that dude, that, that I refuse to watch that. That movie, movie just, is so terrifying. That movie is the best. The best. It was the only thing I didn't like about it was that she wanted to be healed but couldn't. That was the only thing I didn't like. Right, right. Is that she truly loved God? I thought that was lame. The, the, we were, we were so scared and nobody else was in the theater cause it was late night. At one point, this, the guy who I was with, who is actually now my brother-in-law, he just turns to me and said, we can leave and no one will ever know. And I, I looked back at him and I said, we can do this. And I put up the moving armrest in the movie theaters. The first time I ever used that to like snuggle up to someone yeah. was with a dude. Okay. The, so I wish we, I wish we could put this on the podcast cause I'm going to throw Carlos Whitaker under the bus <laughs> so bad right now. And please tweet him mock him for the rest of his life. So I went to see the exorcism of Emily Rose with Carlos Whitaker at Los Wit on social media. Everybody knows. This yes. Guy. At Los Wit as whatever. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. He is like a little girl and, and I love little <laughs> girls, but he was the biggest, <laughs> oh he was the gosh. biggest in an appropriate manner, please. Sorry. He was, he was the biggest wuss in the world. So we watched that movie. Right. And he, he put his feet, he wouldn't let his feet touch the floor. Well, no, the, you don't, you don't, the you, they need to be then curled Then he starts cuddling with me. Then he pulls his t-shirt completely over his face during the movie. It gets better. It gets better. So they're in that scene where they're in the trial case and the, and, 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 the, and the, uh, the, the lawyer yells at the priest and he's all, you're telling me it was Satan. And right when he says that we have an earthquake in Riverside oh, no. and he goes, <laughs> and the whole theater starts shaking and Carlos goes, ah! and like run, dude runs out of the theater and leaves me in there. <laughs> all by myself and then he comes back in and he's like you're never gonna tell anybody about that right and so welcome we, to the debris so we get home we get home and uh, my wife's first comment was oh my gosh there was a big earthquake and all i could think about was you're watching a demon movie so i wish you'd have shared that in the podcast man oh man well we live and learn carlos like, whitaker carlos whitaker i love you but you wussed out man <laughs> I don't blame him. Me and you both, brother. I'm right there yeah, with you. That, that movie, movie was, was horrible. Awesome. It's terrifying. Oh, it's awesome. Terrifying. Yeah. Still chicken out too much to even see it. So 